Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. He is risen indeed. I am so honored that you would come and join us today on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, as I'm going to continue to call it. I know there are a lot of great churches in our area especially, and the fact that you would choose to come and worship with us, um, it honors us, and that, that is not lost on us, so thank you so much uh, for coming and joining us. Resurrection Sunday is a powerful day. It's a day when we celebrate the fact that God demonstrated his power to bring dead things back to life. Now, not only did he send his son Jesus to die for our sins, but he resurrected him from the day, giving us new life through him. Is there anybody in here that has seen some dead things come to life in, in your life? Anybody? Four of you. Four, four of you. Okay. Well, look over at one of the four people and say, how'd you get some of that? I want some this, this morning. Man, I'm so excited. In doing this, here's what he did. He demonstrated for us this resurrection power. And here's what that means. That there can be resurrection power that comes in your life to help you accomplish things that you may not have thought was possible. That's what resurrection power does in our lives. Things that were dead, things that were lost, maybe things that we've given up, for, given up on are all available to us because of this resurrection power. So when you see somebody today and they just can't stand it, they're so bubbly and so excited and so giddy, chances are there's been some dead things in their life that have come to life as a result of their relationship with Jesus. So just look at them and say, hey, give me some of that. Let me, let me rub some of that on there. I'm going to share a verse with you today and then we're going to dive in uh, to God's word. This is from Romans chapter 8. Verse 11, here's what it says. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now think about that. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. The words that he uses there are important. The spirit that raised Jesus, that's past tense. Now lives, that's present tense. Isn't it neat to know that God did something way back then that can still have an impact on your life today? Isn't it neat to know that God could do something in your past that still bears fruit in your present? That's what we're seeing. And this power didn't just raise Jesus from the dead for Jesus' sake. Who did it raise it for? He lives in who? In you. And I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to just celebrate Easter. You can experience Easter big difference. Big difference. We're not just going to celebrate what God did. We're going to experience it. What do you mean, Pastor Don? Look at the verse continues. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. What does that word mortal mean? It means this. It means things that die. Things that die. And in the same way that God brought resurrection life into the dead body of Jesus, God will bring life into dead or dying areas of your life. How many of you know that's good news? That's really good news. It gives you the power to close the gap. Can you say that with me? Close the gap. Close the gap between the life that you're living and the life you've always wanted to live. How many of you know that's a big deal? It's a big deal. There's many people I talked to that said, Pastor Don, there's got to be more 
in my life. There's, there's got to be more to life than just what I'm doing and just what I'm living. What are they saying? They're saying, Pastor, there's a gap between what I'm experiencing every day and something that I think might be possible in my life. Can I tell you, God put that desire in your heart to know, to look for him, to seek him, because he's got a plan for something in your life that's far beyond what you're experiencing right now. Here's the challenge. We try to get it on our own. You've tried. I've tried. You know people that have tried, and you keep coming up short, but it's not until we have that resurrection power inside of us, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that we start to see those dead things in our life start to arise. Are y'all with me today? I need you to know that that resurrection power that you need is available. I like to say it this way. Your spiritual life is really a journey. Your spiritual life is a journey. You've got a past, there's a present, and there's also a future. There are steps that you can take. And listen, I love being your pastor. I do. I love when I get the phone calls about things that are amazing and happening and we celebrate together. And I even don't mind the phone calls when you need somebody to pray with you and help you in the low seasons of your life. I like being your preacher too. I like getting able to shout at you and spit on you from time to time. I love being able to share things that God has put on my heart that I've seen in his word. I love it when you smile at me. I love it when it gets real quiet in here too because I know I'm really hitting home in those moments. I love being your pastor. I love being your preacher. But do you know what I really enjoy? I enjoy being your tour guide. Pastor, what are you talking about? Every single one of us is on a journey. And I love being able to help you discover where you are where you could go, and the steps that it takes to get there. That's what fires me up. I guess it's just the way my brain works. It's just the way I'm wired. I see things. I see systems and processes, and here's how we get here. I know where we are, and I know where we should go, and let's take some steps along the way. When I read scripture, I see the same thing in the Bible. Here's my question for you. Does God really work that way in your life? Does God really have a process? Does God really have these things that he takes you from so that he can take you to? Is God really working systematically and process-driven in your life? I think so, and we're going to explore that today because I think if you knew the answer, the answer to that would make all the difference between the life that you are experiencing right now and the life that God has for you today. Are you all ready? You want to hear some things that God has for you? Here's my big question for you today. Here's the big question. Why three days? Many of you know God, uh, Jesus was crucified on, on, say, a Friday, and then Saturday was in the tomb, and Sunday rose from the dead. Why three days? Surely God, in all his sovereignty and his power, could have just made it one day, right? Why three? Maybe it could have been just an hour. Why, why not just an hour, God? Surely you could, have, you could have made things an hour. Is it possible that there's something for us to learn about our spiritual journey that Friday represents? Something that Saturday represents and something Sunday represents. Why three days? I think even the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, in those moments there were steps, processes that can happen in your life. Y'all want to see this in scripture? Look, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21 says this. This is the kind of life that you've been invited into. The kind of life that Christ lived And this verse brings so much into perspective for me. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done. How cool is that? That Jesus came and lived in a way that tells us this can be done and also how to do it. Look at that. 
step by step. Man, I'm not just up here telling you, hey, Jesus did this and he was the only one that could ever do it. I said, no, 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 Jesus did this and he came to show you that it was possible and even came to show you that it could be done and would give you a step-by-step process to see it unfold in your life. Let's talk just a little bit because I think Friday teaches us something about our spiritual journey. I think Saturday teaches us something and then we're going to see that Sunday teaches us something as well. And when you read scripture's account of that Friday when Jesus was crucified and when he died, there's really only one way to describe it. And it's this, Friday was a day of pain. Friday was a day of pain. It was a day of torture for him. It was a day where there's a reason why crucifixion is no longer allowed as a death sentence. It's horrible. It's tragic. It's, It's unbearable what Jesus endured for us. It's a day of pain. And you think, well, how does that relate to me? Oh, I know it relates. I know it relates because you look really good on the outside, but in the inside, I know this to be true about most of us. There's pain on the inside. We've got it, we've got it going on on the outside, and we put a lot of effort into how other people receive us. And how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. I'm doing great. You're in pain. You're in pain. I would say it this way. You're warring. There's a war that's going on. You say, well, Pastor Don, how do you know? I know that you were fighting with your kids on the way to church today in the car because I've got kids and we fight in the car on the way to church too. There's a war inside and there's, there's a discrepancy sometimes that happens when we're warring, when we're in a Friday moment of our lives. So what kind of pain do you think we could be in, Pastor Don? Are you just talking about physical pain? Yeah, that's part of it. Physical pain is part of it. But can I tell you, even physical pain can mess with you in a big way. Pain that lasts forever, that doesn't change. I had an opportunity just a few weeks ago. I had lunch with a gentleman who's got an autoimmune disease and a disorder. And it allows him to constantly experience pain. There are days when his nerves are just at their wit's end and it's, everything is painful. Man, there's, there's pain. That physical pain has started to mess with him mentally as well. And it brings us to the second kind of pain that I'm sure many of us in this room are experiencing. Not a physical pain, but an emotional pain. How many of you can relate with emotional pain? Jesus can too. The Bible tells us that he was despised and he was rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Scripture tells us. You may not realize this, but he was raised in a poor family. I bet you there were kids that made fun of him. He was born to his mother who wasn't married at the time. How many of you know, there's a word for that. I'm sure Jesus heard that on a regular basis. Those that were closest to him betrayed him and abandoned him in the moment he needed them the most. That's emotional pain. You probably didn't realize the moment depression set in because it's sneaky. It's the moment you just start to think and believe that maybe my life is just going to be this way. I didn't see it coming. I wouldn't ask for this, but if this is the way it is, and before long, you don't realize you're stuck in depression. There's emotional pain. A day of Friday is a day of pain. But there's not just emotional pain. There's also relational pain. You may not have thought about it this way, but Jesus knows what it's like to be single. He knows what it's like to be tempted in every way possible. And before you laugh at me and say, yeah, Pastor Don, but he doesn't know what it's like to be married. Listen, (laughs) The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus himself knows what it's like to have his wife cheat on him. He knows. 
He knows. There's also family pain, isn't there? Oh, family pain is the worst pain. How many of you would, you would you say, man, Pastor John, listen, you don't know my family. I got a crazy family. Don't raise your hand. You might be sitting there with them a little bit. Listen, and by the way, if you don't think you have a crazy family, let me help you today. It's you. You're, you're, you're the crazy person in your family. You don't believe that. Ask somebody when you go to Easter dinner. They'll, they'll tell you if they love you, if you enough. Listen, I know that you might be here today in a Friday season of your life, a season of pain. And if, there's, if that's where you are today, I want to help you. There's a lesson. There's a lesson that we can learn in that. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Understand this. He puts purpose to the pain. I remember early on in my life, I was, I was the kind of person that everything on the outside seemed like it was going great. But I was miserable on the inside. A young adult, I had excelled in college, I had excelled in my job, I excelled in my career, and from the outside looking in, everything was perfect. I remember my parents would be so proud as they would introduce me and and talk to everything, and from a young age, I was living on my own. I I had the means, I didn't have to live with mom and dad, and I had a great career, and everything was, was going. Here's what they didn't know, though. I was struggling on the inside. I was lonely. I was depressed. I kept trying to medicate things. Every single time I felt lonely, I tried to find alcohol or girls or something else that would help me in that moment. And I kept my parents from knowing the inside me, who I really was. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, yeah. You got, it's, I want you to know who I am on the outside, but who I am on the inside was different. I would say this. Who I was on the outside didn't quite measure up to how I felt on the inside. And God found me, and he rescued me, and he changed me, and he helped me see. I started to notice, man, you mean with this resurrection power, I can, who I am on the inside can measure up who I'm trying to be on the outside? It was exhausting trying to be one thing on the outside when I, had, when I was really something else on the inside. But here's what I didn't realize I had done. I had kept my parents so far distant from who I was on the inside, that when I started to change on the inside, they didn't notice any different. They couldn't have seen anything. And when I came to them and said, hey, I think God's calling me into ministry. I think that there's a place I need to go in Bible school. And and they looked at me like I was crazy. They thought I had I'd gone off the rocker and was going to go join some kind of cult or something. Like, what are you doing? Your life is perfect. Why would you throw it all away? And this I realized, they didn't know the pain that I had on the inside. They didn't know the struggle that was there. Had they known how much hurt was in my life, they would have celebrated with me and they would have rejoiced with me. Spiritually, I was at the highest place I had ever been. But when my parents looked at me and said, you're going to choose church or you're going to choose us, I felt I was at the the lowest place of my entire life. As God's purpose for me started to unfold, he not only healed me on the inside, but I'm so happy and so excited. He healed my relationship with my parents as well. 
They started to see things that God was doing and it started to make sense. And the more and more I walked in what God had for me and the purpose that he called me to, it started to really make sense to them. And today, if you meet them, they'll probably look at you and tell, and, and tell you that me coming into ministry was their idea along the way. But I was there. You remind them that that's not true. What's the lesson of Friday, Pastor Don? There's no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. There's no pain that his purpose can't redeem. That's the lesson. If you're here in a day of pain, if your inside doesn't measure up to your outside, I want you to know God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and it will make the difference. And there's no amount of pain that you're sitting here right now that God's purpose for your life can't help you heal. Is there anybody here that believes what I'm saying to you today? If Friday is a day of pain, Pastor Don, then what is Saturday? What is, what is Saturday? Saturday is this. It's the day of confusion. It's the day of confusion. You do realize that though Jesus told the disciples God would raise him, they forgot? I mean, that'd be an important thing to remember. They remembered a lot that Jesus said, but somehow they forgot about that. And here they are, this Messiah the king that they had waited on, that they had devoted their whole lives to following, that was going to make every wrong thing right in their life, is now dead. How confusing is that? But I thought you said, well, I th- you do realize that nobody was running around saying, hey, hold on one more day, Sunday's coming. It wasn't happening. They thought it was it. They thought it was completely over. And if Fridays are warring that's on the inside, then here's what a Saturday brings you to. Saturday brings you to a place of waiting. Most of those disciples went back to their old patterns. They went back to their old habits. They got stuck just going through the motions. Anybody relate to that? Right? I'm, I, I know God's got a plan. I know he's got a promise for me, but it's not here yet. I don't see it. And I'm, I'm stuck waiting. You do some crazy things when you're waiting, don't you? Yeah. Tell me why, God. Why can't you do this for me? I've seen you do it for them. And and all of these questions happen. And listen, I don't know if you're ever going to know the why this side of heaven. How many of you got some questions for God? Man, if I could show you the margins in my Bible, the number of question marks that I have, God, I don't understand. I've got questions for God. I recently came across this. This is some questions that some third graders had for God. Y'all want to see some third graders who had some questions for God? Look at this. Here's the first one. Dear God, my brother told me about being born, but it doesn't sound right. And you got some questions for God. I don't know, brother. I'm not sure. Something Something doesn't add up. Here's another one for you. Dear God, on Halloween, I'm going to wear a devil's costume. Is that all right with you? I got some questions for you, God, is that don't, don't act like third graders are so cute. You're doing things right now that you're wondering if God's okay with as well. Some of these, these guys got questions too, just, just like you. Here's another one. We read that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school, they said that you did it. So I bet he stole your idea. I bet he's, I've got questions for you, God. I've got questions. Here's, here's the last one. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with me and my brother. I got questions for you, God. Why do I have to share a room with my brother? I thought you needed a laugh. Y'all, got, y'all were looking at me pretty serious today. If Saturday is a day of confusion, it's a day of waiting, what happens 
while we wait? I'll tell you, we want answers. We want answers. God, why? Help me. If I just knew why, would it really make a difference? You really wouldn't. Knowing why doesn't change your circumstance. It doesn't change the situation that you're in. You'd still be in this season of waiting. We want answers and then we do this. We begin to doubt. You do realize that there is a disciple that will forever be known, not by all the great things he did, but by the one moment that he had a question for God. His name is Thomas, but you know him as what? Doubting Thomas. Please help me. I have questions too, but when I'm gone, don't refer to me as Doubting Don, please. I, I just... Could you imagine being labeled that? But it hits a little home when you realize that you've been in church so long, you're not even sure if it's real anymore. You've forgotten all that God has done for you because you've been waiting on the thing you're hoping for and believing for the most. I talked to a man several months ago who said, I've been in church so long, it just feels like a show. I'm not even sure God is real anymore. That's, that's a real thing that somebody's struggling with. That's somebody who's stuck in a Saturday. A day of waiting, a day of confusion. We want answers, we begin to doubt, and we give up. Two of the disciples quit on him altogether. One of them committed suicide, ended his life. The other went back to fishing. I'm not cut out for this Jesus thing. I'm going to go back to my old habits and my own ways. You know anybody that's done that? They've gone back to what was comfortable, back to what they remembered, forgetting they were in slavery, forgetting that it, it hurt them, forgetting that their life was miserable, but they got tired of waiting. They had questions. They started to doubt and ended up just giving up. Maybe you felt like giving up because I'm stuck in Saturday, Pastor Don. We doubt, we give up, and we feel alone. No, no, Pastor Don, I got, people, I got people around me all the time. Yeah, you're surrounded by people, but you're all alone on the inside. You know what I'm talking about. You may not realize this, but the vast majority of people that drown while swimming actually drown around other people. You wouldn't think that. You'd think people go swimming off by themselves, and that's when they drown. That's not what happens. Movies have you convinced that when somebody's drowning, they, they're able to flail their arms up and say, help me, help me, help me, I'm drowning. That's not what happens. Think about it. When you're drowning, you're exhausted. You can't breathe. The water's up over your head. You're overwhelmed. It takes every bit of effort you have just to push yourself up in the water. And when your mouth clears the water, you're not yelling out, what are you doing? Gasping in, only to go right back underneath. And some of you know people that are real close to you and you don't realize that they're drowning because they're not saying anything. They're exhausted. It takes every bit of energy they have just to breathe to make it to the next moment. And you don't realize they're drowning. People don't drown yelling. They drown in silence. And most of them drown surrounded by people. You realize they train lifeguards to recognize what it looks like when somebody's drowning because you don't get to hear what it sounds like when somebody's driving. Oh, I wish you would have told me. I wish you'd have told me that's what you were walking through. If only I had known. No, if only I had seen and were looking. There are people here today that are stuck in Saturday and it's confusing and they want to give up. Are y'all with me today? If the solution to Friday's pain is purpose, Pastor Don, then what's the solution to Saturday's confusion? I'll tell you, it's to draw close to him in worship. Draw close to him in worship. King David's worship leader was a man named Asaph. 
And Asaph writes in Psalm 73, you can, you can go read it. He has some problems. He's complaining to God. There are wicked people that are prospering. He doesn't understand what is going on. He says, th- says things like, I almost lost my footing. I completely almost tripped up. Surely in vain I have kept myself pure. Have you ever thought that before? Man, God, why am I trying so hard? Why am I trying so hard? It's coming to nothing. I don't understand. I'm stuck in Saturday. Look what he wrote, Psalm 73. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. How many of you are troubled deeply just by trying to figure out what God's doing in your life? Look what he says in the next verse. But then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood There's something about a moment of worship. There's something about being in God's presence that brings you clarity despite the confusion that you have. How many of that happened to you? You left church thinking, man, I know exactly what I need to do. I know exactly where I am. God just spoke to me in a moment of worship. Early on, those first couple of months of me being in Bible school, and I didn't know where my relationship with my parents was going to go. I didn't know if they'd ever talk to me again, and I didn't know what that was going to be like, and I had hurt them so much taking the steps that I felt like God had for me and I didn't understand I was isolated and alienated and confused and why aren't my parents as happy for me as as I am and it started to mess with my theology I would let myself in to the sanctuary of the church late at night when nobody else was around and I'd put on some music and it'd be pitch black in the room and I would worship and I would worship and I would worship and I would draw close to God and I found so much clarity in those moments of worship, just leaning in, just pressing in. God, where are you? And I found him in those moments. I found him in moments of worship. All my confusion melted in his presence. Psalm 97 says this, the hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And I may not have all the answers to the hills in my life today, But I know this, one moment in God's presence can change everything. I never know when God's going to show up, so I always do. I tell people, if the doors are open, come on in. Don't miss an opportunity. You never know when you draw close to God, that may be the moment that he draws close to you. And every bit of confusion you have now makes the utmost clarity. Listen to me. There is no confusion that his presence can't calm. If there is no pain that his purpose can't redeem, there is no confusion that his presence cannot calm. Friday is a day of pain. It's redeemed by purpose. Saturday, a day of confusion, is calmed as worship brings us close. Well, Pastor Don, if that's what Friday is, and if that's what Sunday or Saturday is, then what is Sunday? And here's the answer. I think you know. Sunday is the day of resurrection. The day of resurrection. The day when dead things are coming back to life, where you go from warring to waiting to actually winning in your life. How many of you like to be winning in life? I'm telling you, the Bible tells us that God's spirit raised Christ from the dead, and that same spirit now lives inside of you, not so you could be warring, not so you could be waiting, so that you could experience the resurrection of a Sunday and be winning inside of your life. Some of you are just one sunrise away from everything being different. One Sunday, one Sunday, stuck in Friday. Spinning your wheels in a Saturday. 
I got news for you. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Everything you've ever wanted for your life, every dead area, every empty area, made whole, made well, made alive because of one name. The Bible tells us that that name is above every other name. Do you know what that name is? Tell me. Jesus. You're saying that like you know it, not like you've experienced it. Tell me like you've experienced that name. Jesus makes all the difference in our life. Pastor Don, why do I keep running in to all these excited, happy, cheerful people at church? Don't they know how much pain that I'm in? It's because you're in Saturday and they're in Sunday. There are dead things in your life that you're stuck in and they've found resurrection in their life. Look at this. John 11, chapter 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question after all. Do you believe this? My goal today is to be your tour guide. Not to convince you of anything. I'm just crazy enough to think that if I can convince you into a relationship with Jesus, then somebody else can convince you out of a relationship with Jesus. I don't want you to be convinced. I want you to experience it. I want you to know for yourself. I want you to know that there are dead things now brought to life in my life. I know that preaching doesn't convince everyone, but stories do. You guys have time for a story? I'm glad because you're a captive audience right now. I'm going to tell you my story anyway. Many of you know Ron, and I called Ron this week, and I said, Ron, can I, can I tell your story on Easter Sunday? Because there's been some dead things that have been brought to life, and I was so proud of him. He said, Pastor Don, you can say anything you want, but I need you to know I'm not proud of it. Everything that they've said about me is absolutely true. That was me. But I'm not who I am anymore, and I want you to tell my story. He started by telling me, you know, I don't think I ever knew a time in my life when I was loved. As long as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, I was always alone. There was always, I was always being punished for something. I guess I was a bad kid. I didn't feel like I was, but nobody ever loved me. I couldn't play with certain kids. I, could, I got kicked out of the recreational park and, and all these things. And it just happened that I didn't know what love was like. And as I got older, I got emptier. And as I got emptier, I got angrier. And I turned to drugs and I turned to alcohol and I tried to fill my life with everything I thought would keep me from being empty. And you know what it did? It made me an angry man. It made me violent. It made me aggressive. I didn't want to be around anybody and nobody wanted to be around me. And I would party and I would drink and I would go out and it didn't take long for him to find somebody who had some of the same struggles that he did. How you know those kind of like spirits attract each other, don't you? Yeah, and it might have been where he was fishing. Y'all know you can't try to catch bass in a catfish hole. And he said, we would party. She was just as broken as I was, but it didn't matter. We tried alcohol, we tried drugs, we tried everything. We were married five years before we had any kids. And once we had kids, nothing changed. 
We continued to party. We continued to drink. I would go pick the kids up and we would drop them off at my sister. Their aunt raised them for a large portion of their life because I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I didn't know how to love. I hadn't been loved myself. And I was angry. And I was abusive. And I was verbal. And I can't blame them. It was me. I did it. They were miserable. He was a truck driver at the time and one day his daughter asked his mom, or her mom, Mama, is, is daddy coming home tonight? She says, baby, I don't know. You, you, you know I don't know that. I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't come home. And he watched those two young girls leave houses absolutely soon as they could. The youngest left and lived with a grandparent because she couldn't bear to stay in that home. And once they left, they wanted nothing more to do with him and made sure that he had no other interactions with them whatsoever. It broke my heart when he said, Pastor Don, I've got grandkids that have never seen my house. I'm not supposed to have contact with them at all. I was angry and I don't blame them. In a moment of weakness, my wife had a setback. I threw her out too. I can't believe the kind of man that I was. He tells me a story of how a DWI at 49, a second one four or five years later, really set him on a path to find sobriety through AA and he was grateful for that. But he was still angry, still confused, still warring on the inside, didn't even believe that God existed. So one day I was driving down Highway 90, I was taking my wife to a doctor's appointment. It was early in the morning and I was just mad, just mad at the world. God doesn't exist. He said, I cussed God as loud as I could, said as many things as I could. I'm not even going to tell you, Pastor Don, the words that I said. I'm embarrassed by them, but I said every single one of them. And maybe it's because I'm a good Cajun guy. I don't know. But I sat there at the top of my lungs. Do me something, God. Do me something. I don't believe you're real. He was angry and bitter. He said, we got to Lafayette early. And I told my wife, who's in the car, let's stop and get a biscuit. I'm hungry. He said, I pulled in the parking lot at T. Coons. Getting a biscuit from T. Coons. He says, as I turned in the parking lot, I can't tell you how it happened. I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. I think it was God. But the light coming over that, that roof that day shined so bright into my car, it blinded me. It blinded my wife. And I ran right smack dab into that light pole. Almost totaled my car. $6,000 worth of damage. And he said, it was in that moment that I realized I just cursed God. And now I wrecked my vehicle. Maybe God is real. Maybe God is real. Only God could make the light come in just that way at the exact time I'm pulling in the parking lot and he got my attention. But here's what he said. It shocked me. He said, I knew God was real, but I couldn't find him. I started looking. I started looking in church. I started looking in AA and I couldn't find him at all. Now, what you don't know to the story that had happened is since his wife had left and since his daughters had left, they had found God. They were at our Broussard campus growing in their relationship and on their spiritual journey and taking next steps and God was starting to do some things in them. Still a lot of hurt, still a lot of pain, but they were there. And Ron got to a low moment in his life and said, I need God 
And if they found him at that church, maybe I can too. But he didn't want to call the church where they attended. He didn't want them to think that I'm just doing this for them to try to get them back. I, I want to do this for me. So he called our new Iberia campus. It was around lunchtime and he left a message. I just need some help. I need somebody to help me. I I don't know what I'm doing, but I got to find God. I got to find God. Can you help me? There are seven days in the week. And every day we have a different volunteer come in and answer phones and take messages and all of that. And the volunteer working and serving that day, answering the phone was none other than his sister. I mean, you tell me. The one day that he called was the day his sister. I remember the commotion in the office. She said, that's my brother. Y'all, y'all, you don't understand what kind of man he was. What kind of man he is now. This is huge. We've been praying for this. And Ron got connected with Ryan and started walking, started taking steps. Had gone from his Friday and Saturday started to see his Sunday Ron was born again Ron was water baptized many of you were here it was hard for him to walk up those stairs harder for him to get in that water but he did because God had changed him and he found resurrection Sunday right here in this place isn't that amazing The story doesn't end there. Just this week, I called Ron. It was Thursday. And I said, Ron, can I tell your story? I'm so glad you called, Pastor. Why? Tell me. I'm just so lonely. I'm in this house all by myself. I've almost taught the dogs how to talk back to me. That's what he said. He said, but I need you, I need you to know something. I crossed some boundaries today, and I, I texted my daughters. And I know I'm not supposed to, and they, they asked me not to, and not to have any contact with them whatsoever. But I, but I texted them and said, hey, I know I'm not supposed to be texting you and reaching out, but, but I love you, and I'm sorry. And, and God's changed me, and if there's anything I can do different, I'd love to see you again. I'd love to tell you. I'd love to spend a minute. But if not, I understand. He said, I'm not sure what God's going to do, Pastor Don, but the fact that you would call me hours after I reached out to them gives me hope and tells me that God's got a plan and I can trust him with it I don't know if I'll ever get my wife back I don't know if I'll ever see my daughters again I don't know if the grandkids will ever see what my house looks like but God has changed me he has made me new I am not the same person you don't understand what's happening in the in the minds of the people that attend here on a regular basis they're wondering to themselves is 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 he talking about Ron Because here's how they would describe Ron. The Ron that they know today, the Ron that I know, they would say he's pleasant. They would say he's so kind. They would say he's cheerful, always has a smile. There's joy in his life. Ron, you're not the same guy. You are absolutely not the same guy. I was driving home getting ready for a function our kids had for school on Thursday and I got a text message from his oldest daughter Pastor Don thank you thank you for loving on my daddy thank you for that church 
that loved him, that took him exactly where he was. I don't know how. It's got to be God. But he's different. And they said this. She said, do you think it'd be okay if we came to church with him on Easter Sunday? I about lost it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to show you something that happened at our 9 a.m. service. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. And I can't tell you if you've had a life where you've never known what love was like. I can't tell you if you've been stuck waiting so long that you can't help but doubt and give up. But as sure as I'm standing here and as sure as Ron is sitting there and as as, as sure as his kids and his grandkids and his wife are in that picture on the screen that you're saying, I'm telling you today, resurrection power is possible to bring dead things to life in your life. Is there anybody in here that believes that? I want to close today with a verse. This is the Apostle Paul. And you've got to hear the passion in his voice. I can almost hear Ron himself saying these words to me. I want to know, not a head knowledge, a heart knowledge, an intimate knowledge, not a, not a I want to figure it out. No, I got to know. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see it in that verse? To suffer with him. Well, that's Friday. Sharing in his death. That's Saturday. And experiencing the resurrection from the dead, that's Sunday. That's Sunday. That's why we're here. It's a process. But I want you to know, I know you might be in Friday. I know you might be in Friday. Pain. I know you might be in confusion, stuck in Saturday, separated, waiting, wondering, hoping, doubting. But Sunday's coming. And I wouldn't be a good tour guide to you if I didn't tell you after a Friday, after a Saturday, there is a Sunday coming for you. You may be one sunrise away from everything in your life changing. But you don't get any of that. You don't get purpose for your pain. You don't get to worship and experience closeness and clarity for your confusion if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you believe this? I'm gonna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes and ask you to do this for, for one reason. One, I don't want you to be distracted by anybody else that's moving around or the things that are going on. I want you to listen to the sound of my voice and I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. There are only four types of people here in this room today. You may be in this first group 
The first group would say this, Pastor Don, I'm, I'm already in a very real relationship with Jesus. I have a vibrant, powerful, growing relationship. I'm taking next steps. This isn't the group of people that say, I attend church every week. This is the group of people that say, I know that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. You may be in the second group of people. Pastor Don, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you'd say, I need to begin again. I got off track. And for me, Sunday looks like a fresh start. Are you saying that Sunday's available? For me, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Here's the third group of people that might be here today. You might be in this group. I need to consider it just a bit more. I'm not against Christianity. I, I, just, I just don't know. I, I need more time. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not ready to make a decision. I want you to know. I want you to keep coming, and you can keep coming as often as you want. I don't want you to miss a Sunday when those doors are open because I know one of them is going to be a resurrection Sunday for you. If you're in that third group and you say, I need to consider it more, I don't want to pressure you. I want you to come. And you may be in the fourth group today. Everybody's in one of these groups. You might be in the fourth one. Pastor Don, I do not ever intend on making that decision. And I want you to hear me when I tell you this, that myself and those that invited you here today are going to keep praying for you. And I want you to know that the love that God has for you is not dependent on your love for him. He loves you with a love that would transcend history, transcend death, and bring every dead thing in your life alive. But every person in here should be contemplating a step, a next step on your spiritual journey. And if you're here today, and you say, Pastor Don, I'm ready to begin that relationship with Jesus today, right here, right now. I'm ready to begin again. What do I need to do? What are the steps I need to take? I would tell you it's as simple as A, B, C. A, you need to admit that you're a sinner. That your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God. That you have decided to do it your own way and as a result of that, it has separated you from a righteous and loving God. Your way hasn't worked out for you, has it? A, admit. B, believe. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sin. Your sin. He lived a life you could not live to pay a debt you could not pay. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Don, I can admit that. I believe that Jesus died just for me. Then I would say letter C is confess. Confess him as Lord and Savior. The Savior part is easy when life is hard, when you're in pain, when it's confusing. God, if you could just save me from this. It's the Lord part that makes the difference. That's the hard part. That's the one that gives over the reins and right to your life. That says, your way is better than my way. God, your way is higher than my way. And I'm tired of living on my own. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Don, I admit, I believe, and I confess. Will you pray with me to be born again? I want to invite you from right there where you're seated. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. I just want to know who I'm praying with today. If you're here and you say, Pastor Don, I'm experiencing a resurrection Sunday today, and I'm ready for dead things in my life to come to life by the power of Jesus, that same power that raised him from the dead. If you're here 
and you want me to pray with you, I want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're seated. Every head is bowed. Nobody's looking around. I want you to do two things. Raise your hand and look up at me so I know. Thank you. I see your hand raised. Up in the balcony. Thank you, sir. I see your hand raised. In the back, I see your hand raised. Keep them up so I can see. I want to see every hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand, too, in the back. Up there, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. He's bringing dead things to life, isn't he? I see your hand. I see your hand, too. The Christians in this room are praying for you. I see your hand. I see your hand, too, ma'am. I see your hand. I don't want to miss this moment. Friday's been too long for you. Saturday needs to end. I'm ready for Sunday. Pastor Donna didn't raise my hand, but I want to. And if you'll give me one more chance, if you'll ask one more time, I'll raise it this time. So I'm asking for you, if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to now, raise it before we pray so I can include you as we pray. I see your hand. Thank you. I'm glad I asked. Church, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. God's spirit resurrecting dead things inside of you has saved you. I'm going to lead us in this prayer and I'm going to ask every single one of us to pray this prayer with us, indicative of the fact that nobody goes through Christianity alone. Say this with me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God and I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for me and I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate with all those.